Uh, my name is Marinus. Uh, it is great to be here with you. Um, um, yeah, my church is in Highfelt, Centurion, um, but I actually come from uh, a Linwood, this Linwood congregation under Retief's leadership way back for about four years, uh, and there's a lot of faces that I do know, and you have grown a lot. This morning, a teenager came to me. Oh, she's not, that a, she's not a teenager anymore. She was a teenager with me when I was still ministering to the youth here, and then um, she spoke about what God has done in her life, and she's in, she's in Cape Town every nation, Baxter currently, studying, and it was such an incredible, and Laura, we're going to miss you so much here. Uh, Laura was one of my leaders as well at the youth, and what a girl, uh, what a woman, sorry, uh, Albert. Uh, <coughs> Albert, it was your birthday yesterday as well. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. Did we already celebrate that while well, we celebrate it again? Okay. So we find ourselves... Uh, right in the middle um, of a sermon series, actually the end of it. And so um, you started the sermon series, When God Builds. Do you remember that? I don't know if you do, um, but I'm going to run you through it. Uh, the first sermon was God's building plan. Uh, the second one was God's, uh, to, well, sorry, um, to align week two. I think Etienne preached about that. Um, and then uh, the building plan to give. Last week, Rudo shared with us an incredible um, sermon. And tonight, we're going to speak about to build, and that every part of what God has placed in the sermon series is so practical and so rich of what He has to give to us. Uh, and so we're here in the fourth session. Uh, the last chapters showed us a man of prayer and faith and courage and action um, as he addressed head on the crisis in Jerusalem. Now we get to watch Nehemiah scurrying his people into action as they start rebuilding Jerusalem's wall. Now, uh, I want you to picture this scene around with huge piles uh, of rubble and heaps of stone uh, and burned gates, uh, wooden gates, because that's what it was uh, in those days. Basically a tough work site, wasn't it? And I'm, and I'm honoring all the decor people uh, that helped us to, to set the, the scene and the tone for this message. It's brilliant. Well done. Um, but basically, the words labor and work and uh, um, repair, just keep pounding their way through chapters 3 and 4. Um, and so the focus of these chapters, uh, though it is just on the, on the hard, focused on the hard work, we're going to focus on the people that is doing the hard work tonight. It's you and me. And so um, <clears throat> this gives us an opportunity and an amazing glimpse of the people of God um, that, that God speaks to his people um, almost like when we occupy space uh, and time in what he wants to uh, install into us, but we fall in a specific part of the redemptive history. Uh, Nehemiah was a, was a couple of years back, um, almost 2,000 years back, but, but for this story to come together, um, God has been calling his people um, into space as a distinct, specific identity, which we call the body of Christ. Stay with me. The body of Christ. And we have um, put our faith in the one who came and fulfilled all the promises Nehemiah was holding on. Uh, and to Jesus, the Son of God, that came to die, he came to bear his cross, he was raised out of it, he rose again, and he gave us his spirit uh, in, and then, then he binds us together as this one family um, and the people of God and the nations of the world 
and each tribe and tongue and, 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 and ethnicity will come together as the family of God, a oneness that we're speaking of. So um, that was my introduction. Uh, today I'm really happy uh, that uh, Rudo invited me, and uh, um, this morning I said as well that uh, I'm so honored by Donnie inviting me, but when I read Nehemiah 3, the whole chapter, have you read it before? It is a nightmare. There, it is like I understood why they asked me to come all the way from I felt to, pray, to preach about this because this is a preacher's and theologian's nightmare to get through all these names and, and the pronunciation of, 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 of oh, it was crazy. Thank you so much, Linwood. I just want to say thank you. I don't, think, I don't know if I mean it. But ultimately, when God builds, He's got a building plan. He asks us to align with it. He asks us to give towards this aligning and this plan. And then He asks us and invites us to build together. Amen? And so, I've got a picture up there uh, that is going to um, help us just understand uh, the, the enormous task which was in Nehemiah's hands and the people who helped him. Look at all those walls being built. Ne? And so then the next one, there's an old gate. It's showing us the fish gate, the sheep gate, the mustard gate. There was actually a dung gate. I suppose that's where all the dung went. You know? um, but there was a fountain gate. It was too close to each other. I don't know why I feel uncomfortable with that. I would have changed that if I was a Nehemiah. But ultimately... Uh, he was a very smart man, and so am I. I'm not going to read chapter 3 out loud. It is a trap. I will not do it. And like my three-year-old son, one day when Catherine asked him to clean up his room, he said, no, thank you, and he turned around and walked away. <laughs> so also I turn around and walk away. But before we listen to someone who can pronounce all those names uh, perfectly, uh, we are going to pray for the Word of God to unlock our hearts tonight. Amen? Let's do that. Father God, thank you so much that we can pray over us, but also your Word that is living, Father God. I pray that when we hear it, it installs faith, Father God, and it breaks, every, um, breaks down every spiritual wall that is not from you, and it starts building the ones that we want to see, that you want to see in our lives, so that lost people may come to Jesus. In the name of, of Jesus, and everyone says, Amen. Nehemiah chapter 3. Then Elishib, the high priest, rose up with his brothers, the priests, and they built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and set its doors. They consecrated it as far as the Tower of Hundred, as far as the Tower of Hananel. And next to him, the men of Jericho built. And next to them, Zakur, the son of Imri, built. The sons of Hassanah built the fish gate. They laid its beams and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And next to them, Merimoth, the son of Uriah, son of Hakaz, repaired. And next to them, Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, son of Meshezebel, repaired. And next to them, Zadok, the son of Baana, repaired. And next to them, the Tekoits repaired, but their nobles would not stoop to serve their lord. Joeda, the son of Pasiah, and Meshulam, the son of Besodiah, repaired the gate of Yeshana. They laid its beams and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And next to them repaired Melatiah, the Gibeonite, and Jadon, the Meronathite, the men of Gibeon and of Mizpah, the seat of the governor of the province beyond the river. Next to them, Uziel, the son of Hariah, goldsmiths, repaired. Next to him, Hananiah, one of the perfumers, repaired, and they restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. 
Next to them, Rephiah, the son of Hur, ruler of half the district of Jerusalem, repaired. Next to them, Jediah, the son of Harumaf, repaired opposite his house. And next to him, Hatush, the son of Hashabniah, repaired. Malkijah, the son of Harim, and Hashub, the son of Pahath Moab, repaired another section of the Tower of the Ovens. Next to him, Shalom, the son of Halohesh, ruler of half the district of Jerusalem, repaired, he and his daughters. Hanun and the inhabitants of Zenoah repaired the valley gate. They rebuilt it and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars, and repaired a thousand cubits of the wall as far as the dung gate. Malkijah, the son of Rechab, ruler of the district of Beth Hakaram, repaired the dung gate. He rebuilt it and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And Shalom, the son of Kolhozeth, ruler of the district of Mizpah, repaired the fountain gate. He rebuilt it and covered it and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And he built the wall of the pool of Shelah of the king's garden, as far as the stairs that go down from the city of David. After him, Nehemiah, the son of Azbuk, ruler of half the district of Bethzer, repaired to a point opposite the tombs of David, as far as the artificial pool and as far as the house of the mighty men. After him, the Levites repaired. Rehum, the son of Bani. Next to him, Hashabai, ruler of half the district of Keilah, repaired for his district. After him, their brothers repaired. Bavai, the son of Hanadad, ruler of half the district of Keilah. Next to him, Ezer, the son of Jeshua, ruler of Mizpah, repaired another section opposite the ascent to the armory at the buttress. After him, Baruch, the son of Zabai, repaired another section from the buttress to the door of the house of Eliashib, the high priest. After him, Merimoth, the son of Uriah, son of Hakaz, repaired another section from the door of the house of Eliashib to the end of the house of Eliashib. After him, the priests, the men of the surrounding area, repaired. After them, Benjamin and Hashub repaired opposite their house. After them, Azariah, the son of Masiah, son of Ananiah, repaired beside his own house. After him, Benui, the son of Hanadad, repaired another section from the house of Azariah to the buttress and to the corner. Palal, the son of Uzai, repaired opposite the buttress and the tower projecting from the upper house of the king at the court of the guard. After him, Padiah, the son of Parash, and the temple servants living on Ophel, repaired to a point opposite the water gate on the east and the projecting tower. After him, the Tekoids repaired another section opposite the great projecting tower as far as the wall of Ophel. Above the horse gate, the priests repaired, each one opposite his own house. After them, Zadok, the son of Immer, repaired opposite his own house. After him, Shemaiah, the son of Shekaniah, the keeper of the east gate, repaired. After him, Hananiah, the son of Shelemiah, and Hanun, the sixth son of Zalaf, repaired another section. After him, Mashalun, the son of Barakiah, repaired opposite his chamber. After him, Malachijah, one of the goldsmiths, repaired as far as the house of the temple servants and of the merchants, opposite the muster gate, and to the upper chamber of the corner. And between the upper chamber of the corner and the sheep gate, the goldsmiths and the merchants repaired. So, oh, okay, no, no, it's my turn. Okay, good. Um, so, can you see why I did not want to? Okay, that's uh, crazy. This shows us just the building plan that God had for Nehemiah and the inclusion. Um, I'm a big includer. Um, if, you, if you're into 
um, strength finder strength. Um, I'm, I think, except for um, wooing and strategic, I think um, including is my number three gift. And so I think Nehemiah also uh, had that gift. But ultimately, when we look at this, um, there is something that's just so incredible about the team that God uh, or Nehemiah had put together. It was every, anyone from any uh, source of life. It was the weak ones, the poor ones, the rich ones, the, the middle class. Everyone was digging into this. And so they said they did it by working together. Notice the variety of people working together. High priests, goldsmiths, uh, perfumers, daughters, uh, merchants, government officials. And one of the comments that I read while preparing in this week, it said, one, one, one guy commented on it and said, well, one of the sides of the walls obviously smelt really um, good because of the perfumers being um, part of the building site. But ultimately, everyone did something else, but everyone was doing the same thing. I want you to see something tonight. I want to connect something with what we are doing in every nation. It's exactly what you are doing, we're doing in Eiffelt, doing in, 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 in Willows, in the Muet, in, in, in every part of we're doing the same thing. We've been called for different things. But tonight, um, I am really overwhelmed by God's ability to link people with each other and then the goal of what we have in front of us. So when I was younger, my dad just decided to pull me in uh, in a project that he started. I was 11 years old. My sisters were really young. I think Anika was three years old and Anami was one years old. I was 11 or almost 12. And at that stage, um, I was an amazing builder myself. DIY projects was my thing. No, it wasn't. And so my dad decided he's going to teach Marinus a few things. There was a hammer. There was a, I had it in my belt. I lost it out of the belt. One thing fell into the, into the pool. It was crazy. But ultimately, when we were halfway with the wall, everything was like really precise because my dad, Friki, he used one of those uh, linear things with the bubble inside and that you can level the things out. It was perfect. And then he said, for the next hour, he was going away seeing a client. For the next hour and a half, two hours, he's going to leave me with the project. And I was like, yes, I can put in my own magic there. 11-year-old Marina said, I'm going to show him uh, what the personality of Marinus looks like in a wall. Okay. And so uh, I was building. I was doing my thing. Uh, uh, there were uh, cement all over my face, not in the right places on the wall. Uh, I took a, a, a quick drink break, drinks break, because my dad wasn't there to serve me. And so I so went into the kitchen, and I heard a big gong, and my, my, my sister Annika started to cry. And that is a totally different sermon on forgiveness and healing. Uh, we're not going to go into that right now. Um, but, but basically, did you, did you see in verse 12, um, and, so, and so ultimately when we read through this, there are verses, there are s- such important parts. I know we're reading names, but I don't want you to miss what God and Nehemiah is telling us tonight. And so uh, my first point of reference is tonight is God calls us to build in unity, the body of Christ working together is the main theme tonight. I don't know if you know, but every other great um, man of God in the Old Testament sort of has done all these great things all alone. I don't know if you know, but Abraham and Isaac and Jacob 
and uh, um, who else is there? David. And we see all these big guns in the Old Testament, and the story revolves around them. This story of Nehemiah revolves around us as a collective, as a people, as a team. Amen? And so the body of Christ working together. 1 Corinthians, read with me. Verse uh, 12, verse 14 to 21. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense in of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, so just picture a whole body that's an ear. Doesn't make sense, does it? Okay, and so the, um, where would we get this, uh, sorry, be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each of them, as he chose into place, Marinus added there, if all were a single member, where, um, where would the body be? As it, as it is, there are many parts, yet one body. We understand that. Many parts, one body. One vision, different ways of building that vision. So, when we look at the next part, one body, many members, I kept verse 12 out of it for a specific reason. It says, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all of the members of the body, though many, are one body. How many times are we going to repeat this? Okay. So it is with Christ. So it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews and Greeks, slaves or free, uh, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so when I look at this, I want you to see something in verse 12. He said, I want you to think about it, that Christ, the middle, almost the middle of what we are seeing today, uh, as our church moves, if we tell someone to close their eyes and, and we want them to focus on Jesus, what do we tell them? Look at the cross. If I want you to focus on Jesus, I tell you, close your eyes. See him walking, isn't it? He's the, he's the middle of everything. He's everything that surrounds our lives. Uh, so secondly, so firstly, uh, God calls us to build in unity. Secondly, God calls us to build leadership. Leaders build by serving. Who's the leader right here, right now? Anyone? Hands up. If you're a leader in this church, raise your hand. Great. So for us um, to understand this, we need to come to a place where you need to understand us as leaders also serve you, just in different ways. So, I'm taking off my jacket. Rudo, can you take it for me, please? Thank you. So, I'm a leader, and there was this uh, Aristocats um, uh, movie that I watched when I was much smaller about these cats, Aristocats, not crats. Uh, and then there was these two hound dogs, and the one would go, I don't know if you've seen it, but the one would go, I'm leader, I'll tell you when we go. I don't know if you've seen it before, but that is not the way that God has called us to. If we see Jesus, I just threw that in there, that's extra, hey. Um, if Jesus calls us into leadership, Jesus shows us what servant leadership looks like when he comes to earth, amen? And so, Jesus put on his hard hat. He's asking you and me to do the same. So as a leader, Nehemiah uh, 3, then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brothers, the priests, and they built the sheep, sheep's gate. Uh, they consecrated, consecrated and set its doors. 
uh, verse 9, next to them, uh, Rephiah, the son of Hur, ruler of half the district. The ruler of half the district of, uh, of Jerusalem put his heart hat on. He put his bulky down. Uh, he put his name tag down. And he started working. Do you hear what I'm saying? I put off, take off the heart hat. Okay. That's not so cool. Okay. I thought it was going to be cool. It's not. Okay. It's hot there. Verse 12, next to him, uh, Shalom, the son of Haloesh, ruler of half the district of uh, J- Jerusalem, repaired uh, he and his daughters. I don't want you to miss this. Us as leaders, our whole families are sold out to the gospel. It's not only us as leaders. My wife is. My kids are. So, I'm going to tell you in the serving side, uh, my boy uh, Noah is nine years old. Uh, when there was a then when it was an I-serve moment a couple of weeks back, he signed up at the book uh, um, table. So he wanted the T-shirt. Every morning, Noah wakes up at quarter to six on a Sunday with his T-shirt already on his hair. In the week, you can't get him up. The boy's a servant. But then he gets to that table and he tells them how they should do it. And so uh, he's a great ser- servant. Great. That's awesome. So leadership is servanthood. Leadership is getting involved, getting dirty in the building of what God has called us to. Amen? Great. Number three, God calls us to build worship. Our place of worship matters. I want you to hear something tonight. A couple of weeks back at my own church, I challenged them just prophetically uh, about how we worship. And I told them that, that I feel uncomfortable worshiping with them Because I feel like we get to a point where there's no worshiping of God in the week. And then when we come together, you know when worship is is really uncomfortable and awkward? It's when the guy next to you doesn't want to sing at all. He's like, I'm sitting down. There is no worshiping coming out of me tonight. But that's okay. He might be a, a really bad introvert. And that's okay. Forgive him. But ultimately, God is calling you and me to be true worshipers of the Word of God in spirit and in truth. It's got nothing to do with music. But are you worshiping Him in the week? Because that will definitely show on a Sunday. Make sense? So, if I do 10 push-ups every day for the next month, then I do 100 every day for six months, do you think? I would get fit. I think I would. I would really look good. That's a good idea. Can I, can I challenge you? 100 sit-ups or 100 push-ups a day. You and me, Rudo. Come on, man. So, worship works exactly the same. You're either fit for it or you're not. And within that, you're either hearing God's voice clearly or you're not. You can read Scripture and misinterpret because you're not in worship. And so read with me. He says... He says, the sheep's gate, where the sheep of sacrifice was brought, when they, when they restored that gate, it was the prophets and the, and the guys ministering to the people who were creating space where the, where the sheep could come in so they can be slaughtered for worship. We need to restore worship in our lives. I want to implore you, I want to ask you, you can, you can leave a lot of other things in your life. But the time with God where you don't have a list of things asking him of Him, but just giving Him the praise, the worship, the honor, the glory, and the power. If you want to break through in other things, break through in that. 
May that be your focus for the next couple of months coming. May that be your focus of your life. Number four, God calls us to build by serving. So now I'm speaking to you. If we are not serving, we should ask the question, why not? Why aren't you serving? So let's read this. He says in Nehemiah 3, verse 5, and next to them, uh, the Tekoites repaired. So there was something to repair. But their nobles would not stoop, I'm adding in so low, to serve their Lord. They did not put their shoulder into work. They were standing, watching, as the whole tribe of Israel was busy repairing that wall. And they were watching and going, ah, it's not for me. Do you know what happens in that moment? The angel wasn't just building a wall. It was representative of the protection of Israel. That four, almost, just a bit more of four kilometers of wall was built in 52 days. Some of the areas were an average of 12 meters high, two and a half meters in width. It took them 52 days. So let's say they planned 12 days. Nehemiah was like, let's take 12 days. Let's plan all of this. They built 400 meters of wall that I just mentioned per day. This is a miracle. Rudolf just shared with me that we have, so we have a builder in the, in, the, in, in the congregation at Linwood, and he calculated that if he had a full team in today's building sites with everything that he needed, that wall would take him 22 years to finish. I don't want you to miss the miracle year. Don't miss the opportunity that you and I have to serve together, to work together. I want to tell you, there was once this moment when I was a student uh, at another church and another movement. I was a first year. We went on a first year camp uh, to the ocean. It was lovely. Uh, I went because of a girl. Um, and who of you? Okay, let's not go there. Um, she is my wife today, I'm just saying. Oh, she didn't know it yet, but I loved her then. Okay. So I got to this first year camp. I kid you not. What I did was we had this terrible 24 hours in a train on the way there. They, they, they blocked all the air because they wanted to uh, initiate the first years. And so when I got there, um, no one, I knew no one on the train. So uh, I slipped into another place. I slept there for the whole time. I got there. And then when I got to the, to the venue or the camping site, I was like, no one knows me on this side. But also no one knows me on the leadership side. So I went over. I walked into the leadership group. I was like introducing myself to everyone. And they're like, you're not a first year. I'm like, no, I'm not a first year. And they taught the first years a song. I was standing with a group of leaders where I was a first year, teaching the first years a song which I didn't know the word of. I mimed it. People high-fived. We clapped. It was lovely. I walked away there. I didn't know that song. Do you know what is worse? We got back from that to that church, back from that camp. Everyone knew the song except Marines. Because I decided I was better than the first years. I'm not going to join in fully. I could not enjoy a moment after that if we sang that song. I was terribly ashamed. 
Just think of one moment when these guys, the nobles, that would not stoop so low to serve their Lord, then working, leaving, taking off of their beautiful clothes and going and building together. Just think of the shame when God did a miracle which should have taken 22 years and He did it in 52 days. Just think of the shame of those families afterwards. Verse 10, next to them, Jediah, the son of Aramath, repaired opposite the house. I don't know if you've seen in the beginning, it said next to, next to, next to, next to. I don't know if you've seen that before. Now it says next to them. It says after the, them, Benjamin and Asa prepared opposite their house. After the Azariah, the son of Mesheah, son of Ananiah, repaired beside his own house. Above the horse gate, the priests repaired each one opposite to their own house. They were serving the Lord a few meters away from where they were working on the kingdom, protecting Jerusalem and ultimately protecting their own people. It wasn't far. Some of you don't live far from your community church. Some of you are not far off. Some of you are not plugged in. There are two groups of people sitting in front of me right now. One is they're staring at that wall while other people are building the kingdom of Jesus on earth in this movement. So the question beckons, who are you right now? And so we'll get to that right now. We'll get to that just now. Number five, God calls us to build because he loves us first. Let me try that again. He loves us first. The Lord cares about every individual. Do you know why? Nehemiah decided to put every name of every family that represented in building that wall in a chapter so that we can read it. Do you know? Because God cares for every single one of us. He did that to show He cares for us individually. He called us by our name. We are His. Isaiah 43. God knows you. The only other place in the Bible where the names are uh, set out in that way was Jesus' genealogy in Matthew 1, when we can see where Jesus is coming from. This is to show that God is an individual God as well. He is very well um, worried, but also His eyes are on us. Give me your hand. He knows us personally. And so don't you forget two things tonight. You're part of a bigger team and a bigger plan. It's not your plan. It's not your dreams. It's God's. Secondly, God will never take his eyes off of you. Ever. Ever. He promises, he says, no one can rip you out of his hand of love. No one. He protects us. But we need to be included. Inclusive. We, they didn't even know, they did not only build that wall to keep other people out and enemies out. They build that wall so that other people can come in and feel safe. Do you know what the job is of every nation? Do you know what we are called to? Make disciples, raise leaders, and plant churches, baby. Did I just say baby? Can we edit that out? The Lord cares for every individual. The Lord passes Exodus 34 before him and proclaimed, The Lord... The Lord, if you ever thought God is not loving and merciful, read with me. A God merciful and gracious, 
slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Another translation says rich in love. And faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin. And he says in Romans 3 and 6, For all have sinned, fall short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 10 says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. He's giving lost people the opportunity to decide. He's not, a not an unloving God because he sends them to hell. He gave them life and they rejected it. Please do not reject the opportunity for you to become part of the movement of God where his kingdom is established. His heavenly kingdom is established on earth. Please help us. Lost people are currently dying and going to hell. I'm calling you tonight. Donnie phones me in the week. He says, do you want to preach? I say, yes, I, want, I would like to preach. He says, I, I, I tell him, what is it that you want me to do? He says, call my church. He says, call them out. I'm calling you out. I'm either calling you out or I'm calling you out tonight. Either you're going to be embarrassed later and I want to help you or you're going to be part of something much bigger than yourselves and your lives will fall in aligned with God and you will give everything towards Jesus because you love everything about him because you know this world is only temporary. It's only going to be this long. And the next life is eternity. There's no turning back. There's one of two places, amen? And we can not only warn people, we can offer them eternal life, amen? John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave. God gives. He's a giving God. His only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Come on, man. We're not chasing revival. I'm not even chasing the works of the Holy Spirit. I'm chasing the person. I'm chasing the Father. I'm chasing the Son. I'm chasing the Holy Spirit. And all the other things will be added unto us. Matthew 6a says, ultimately, if there are things that you need in your life, focus on the kingdom of God. All the other things will be given to you. I want to pray for two sets of people tonight. Maybe you are lost. Maybe you've never had the opportunity to, to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior of your life. I want to give you that opportunity now. God wants to include you. You make the choice. Then in the second group, I want to call you out. I want to call you out into something that God has been calling us out for 2,000 years. Unity among the brethren. Unity among His people. Unity with Him. And there's two questions that beckons. Can you and I be obedient to the Word of God? Can we submit to it? And can we lay down our lives as Jesus has laid down his life for us? For the first group, if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'd like to pray with you. If that is you and you would like to make a choice for Jesus tonight, you don't know where you're going when you die right now. 
so if a bus hits you outside here, you, you might be going to hell because you don't know if you have a relationship with Jesus. If that is you, and you would like to give your life to Jesus, I want you in front right now. Come and join me. I want to pray with you. I want to give you the opportunity uh, to, to be one with Jesus, to be saved by Him. So stand up and come to the front with me. You're welcome to do that. The second group I want to call out tonight is I want to call you out if you have been sitting in the pews for too long and you're hearing this message right now and you're one of those formal guys, the esteemed ones that says, no, I'm not, I'm not going to be part of this at all. God is calling to you in His loving heart, gracious, compassionate. I want you to come to the front as well. God is going to save your life tonight. You see, being saved is one part of being saved. Being obedient is the proof of that. I want you to come to the front. That's you. Stand up. Be bold. Do not be afraid. Come on. That's it. I honor you. God is calling you to the Great Commission. He's calling you to be part of something. Calling you out not to embarrass. I'm calling you out to give the opportunity to say, Lord, here I am in front of people. I don't care about them. I care about what you say. Amen. Can we do that? I'm going to allow five more people to come. There's not only four. I prayed about this. There is more. Come on. God wants to work through you. He wants to use you. He wants to uh, get to know you better. But ultimately, God is calling you to something bigger than even every nation. He's calling you into His kingdom. Come on, let's work for that. Five, four, come on, three. Come on, there's more. Two, let's go. Amen. I want everyone to stand with me. Father God, I pray right now that the Holy Spirit will come down um, through us almost like a, 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 a wall of water bubbling up from the inside over us. Father God, I pray right now that we will receive the blessing of the Holy Spirit, the fire of His heart for people. And I pray right now, Father God, for a change of mindset, a change, Father God, where we say, Lord, it's all about You. This is all for you. My life, Lord, I give to you. I'm holding nothing back, Lord. Lord, I will shift the bricks if you want me to do that. Lord, I've got a talent for other things. Lord, I'm, I'm going to be rich one day. Lord, I'm going to be someone. Uh, Lord, but I am willing to lay that down to build the kingdom of God and establish it on earth so that lost people might see Jesus. Do you know not everyone will choose him? Not everyone will decide on Jesus. But the question is, have we offered Jesus to them? Tonight, the Lord is asking us to, wherever you are standing, say, Lord, show me the unwillingness of my own spirit and own heart. Show me where I am falling short and either, either buying into this, aligning with you or the building side of it.
God is calling us all into unity, wearing the same hard hats in the Spirit, wearing the same overalls in the Spirit, doing the same menial work, building His kingdom. Are you in? Are you willing? you ask of us to lay down for whatever you have in store for us after this life let us not mock you anymore let us not try and trick the God the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords let's stop playing church Lord let's become it Jesus I pray for unity in Linwood like never before. I pray for fruit of the Spirit like never before. I pray, for the Father God, for a fire in us going out and sharing the gospel without holding back like never before. I see a leadership um, tripling. I see things happening in our midst in Linwood that we've never seen before. I see you putting our leadership of Linwood on a city, like a city on a hill, but you are also taking the congregation with you, not leaving them behind. I see you encompassing everyone, Father God, as a whole, as a unit, as the body of Christ. For the glory of Jesus. Amen and amen.